Morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today. See lots of familiar faces and some faces that will become familiar. So great to be here with you. And uh, it's my pleasure to bring the word. I want to thank you, though. Before we start uh, the message, um, just how many of you ha- had kids in the school or have kids in the school or are kids in the school right now? Wow, that is a lot. Well, I just want to say on behalf of the staff and on behalf of the teachers, thank you. Thank you for entrusting your kids to us. They're your treasures, but I've got to tell you, they have also become our treasures. And we love them, and we are happy to pour ourselves into them. We really are. We really are. They're, they're absolute treasures. And, um, you know, Ron brought a, a word this morning, and he talked about, you know, Jesus calling the children uh, to himself and talking about us becoming like children in the kingdom. And he, and he said, you know, the king's school in this morning, it's, not, it's really not about the king's school. It's about God's heart for children. And God has such a heart for children. And he also has a heart for us to learn to be his children. And I'll throw this out as a little aside. I didn't mention this in the earlier service. But I was rereading where at the Last Supper, the Apostle John, it says, he laid his head on Jesus' breast. Right? I think we all know that account. And something grabbed me this time. Because, you know, normally, I, I don't know about you, but certainly as a man, I read that and I think, man, that just sounds so awkward. Like, my, my mom and dad are here. And thank you, mom and dad, for being here. And if you like what I have to say, thank them. If you don't, blame me. <laughs> but, you know, I think about my dad. I, think, I don't think I would go up to my dad and lay my head on his chest. Like, that just, it seems awkward, right? Now, I don't know if you would like me to ever do that, dad, but it seems to say, come on over, okay. You know, but what captured me this time is that There was something, first of all, about Jesus that was so embracing that John the Baptist felt he could do that, even though he's a full-grown man with a full-grown man. Now, that's something. But the thing that also captured me about John John the Baptist, the Apostle John, is that John, I believe, part of what we're seeing there is John learned to be loved. I think in that action of laying his head on Jesus' breast, there was something where he, he learned to be loved. And part of us learning to be children is just learning to be loved. So, Father, I pray that you would just wash over us with your love today. Lord, even in this message, even as we go into your word, Lord, that you would embrace us and we'd allow ourselves to be embraced. We'd let you love us. Lord, we'd, be, we'd learn to be comfortable just resting at your heart. We, we yield to you this morning, and we thank you for these words. Lord, let them be your words to us. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to be preaching about... The time where the disciples find them are in a boat crossing over the Sea of Galilee and they find themselves in a storm. 
And I want to pick it up at verse 1, actually. And it says this, that Jesus began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. The Holy Spirit inspires Mark, the writer of this gospel, to outline the setting for us, which might seem a little unnecessary, a little strange. Normally, we just hone in on, you know, the teaching. What, what did he say? Not where is he, but what did he say? But if you look closely at that verse, you're going to see three times, at least I'm reading in the New American Standard, that Jesus is by the sea, he's on the sea, and all the people, it says, are on the land by the sea. And there's a picture, I think, number one, of Jesus calling them all out to where he is. He's going to go into his first sort of sermon in the Gospel of Mark. It becomes known as the Sermon by the Sea by some scholars. And he begins to talk about what the kingdom is like. What is this kingdom life like? It's like a sower who goes out to sow his seed. It's, and, and it gets sown onto different kinds of ground. It's like a, a farmer that plants seed and it says he goes to bed. And he doesn't know how does it grow. He just wakes up and all by itself it seems to have an effect. And he goes through this chapter teaching all day about the kingdom. And I personally think that even what he is doing by standing on the water, it's practical, yeah. You know, there's this huge crowd and he's in the boat. It sets him apart. But I actually think, and you'd have to look further in Mark's gospel to really see this, I actually think it's a visual object lesson. Now, I don't have a a great PowerPoint. There it is. That's the extent of it right there. (laughs) But this is kind of Jesus' PowerPoint, I think. It's like an object lesson. He's saying... I'm calling you out to where I am because there's this whole way of living that you don't know about and some t- and it's a little like life on the sea. It's living out there by faith and it's going out and sometimes when you go out onto the sea, things happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not a, a seaman. I'm a prairie boy. But when you get out on the water, sometimes there's waves. Sometimes there's storms. The engine can stall. Things can go wrong. And this is part of the story, and it's also part of the lesson. So let's pick it up in uh, chapter 4, verse 35. And what I want to invite you to do, and I'm going to hone in on this passage for for the message today, but what I want to invite you to do is see these moments on the sea as part of the teaching, actually. Because what Jesus did when we look in the Gospels is he would pair his words with experiences. So he'd teach them about the kingdom, and then inevitably he would do something, and there'd be some kind of hands-on experience. Not always fun times. Sometimes they were great times. You know, he'd say, you feed the people. (laughs) Teaching you about faith, you feed them. And they're like, huh? What? We feed them? Yeah, what have you got? nothing. (laughs) Well, go look around, see what you've got. And then, you know, it happened the same thing with the children. He'll teach them about the children and say, okay, you've, you know, you need to become childlike in the kingdom, you know, and you need to embrace a child because if you learn to embrace a child, you're actually embracing me. And then, of course, there'll be an experience that soon follows where the children 
are coming to Jesus and the disciples are sending them away. And he's saying, no, 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 you didn't learn the lesson. So you got the classroom teaching, but I need you to learn the lesson in life now. Okay? This, to me, is a little like the whole chapter 4. Okay? He's going, I'm going to teach you by the sea. I'm going to teach you about life by faith on the sea. And I'm going to talk to you about it. That's the easy part. Then we get to the test. Okay? And we're going to launch out in a boat, and let's find out what happens. So we're going to move from the classroom, as it were, to a field trip or a lab experiment or, a, or whatever, a hands-on learning. Are you with me? Okay, let's go to verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. So it's on that day, this is part of the lesson. He said to them, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher! Now, just note this, Teacher! That's actually the first time he's called Teacher in Mark's Gospel as well. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? We're perishing here. Don't you care? And it says, he got up. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, hush, be still, or peace, be still. Or literally, in the Greek, he said, be muzzled. Be muzzled. Be silent. Be still. And it says, the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, I like this part. He said to them, guys, What took you so long? I've been in the boat the whole time. Why didn't you wake me up? I'm right here. Is that what he said? No, right? He didn't say, guys, you're veteran fishermen. This is just another Sea of Galilee storm. What's the problem here? He didn't say that. He didn't say, come on, boys, this is a great boat. You've been on this boat lots of times. This is a Sea of Galilee. 2000, Fisherman Edition. Come on. You know, he doesn't say, great boat. No, no, he doesn't say that. He actually says, and this I find so challenging. He says, why are you so afraid? (laughs) Well, didn't you see the storm? (laughs) Like, come on. Why are you so afraid? And then it gets more challenging. Then he says, my translation, What happened to your faith? Wow. (laughs) All of a sudden, the lesson gets really real. (laughs) When you're in the moment. When you're in the classroom of life. What happened to your faith? Well, then it says, verse 41, they became a whole different kind of afraid. (laughs) They're not looking at the storm anymore. They're looking at him going, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, normally we stop there. I want to read a few more verses, though, because the day actually keeps going. So it says they came to the other side of the sea. They got through their storm. 
into the country of the Gerasenes. And when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Well, when we look at this particular passage of Scripture, we, we note the storm. And I'm sure you've heard a message about this particular story before. I'm going to preach it a little bit different and probably draw out some different uh, things. And as I've said before, I think I have the anointing of different. <laughs> I'll let you be the judge, but it seems like things just kind of strike me away that's not always normal. But sometimes the scriptures are like a diamond and you just turn it in the light and all of a sudden you see something you never saw before. Have you ever found that? Right? So maybe that's what I'm going to do today. We'll find out together. I want to talk to us about these storms because... You know, it's one thing for us to sit here and be in church and hear lessons and do worship, but then we go out, and we go out into the storms of life. And let's face it, when we are in the storms of life, whether they're relational storms, family storms, financial storms, organizational storms in your workplace, I don't know, could be health storms, but we face storms. And sometimes Jesus even brings us into storms. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Storms happen for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes they're spiritual warfare. Sometimes they're just part of doing the journey of life, and things happen that are just hard. Sometimes we actually choose to enter into these very difficult situations that we know are going to have storms. You know, I think about we're praying for the church often in the school. And praying for the expansion and, you know, the zoning issues you're facing. Well, when this church decided we're going to build, I'm pretty sure you knew there was going to be some storms. <laughs> now, you don't know what all the storms are going to be. But you know this is going to be a challenge. But here's the thing. You know there's people on the other side. See, there's, see the story ends on the other side of the sea. And there's a man waiting there. And this man has been tormented for a very long time. And he's waiting for Jesus and his little band of disciples to show up in their boat and change his life. Amen? But what do we do when we're in a storm? What do we do when we're in a storm? Or, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> what do you do when your boat becomes a bathtub? Right? I have a number of thoughts about that. Sorry, I don't have slides for you, but if you want to, I'll repeat this. You can write these main points down. Number one, shift your focus. Shift your focus. For the disciples, their focus was on the storm and probably on the boat. What are they doing? I imagine they are pulling at these oars for dear life. And they are just giving her and pulling and pulling, and the water is pouring into the boat. You know, being in the water is fine. Having the water in you is a bit of a problem, <laughs> All right? And they're, they're, they're pulling with everything they've got. And it's like when Jesus says, you know, why were you so afraid? What happened to your faith? You had no faith. It, he's inviting us to shift our focus. Because let's be honest, we all go through storms, me included, and our default is to look at the storm. Our default is to look at the problem and to fix on it. And it's scary, 
And sometimes it seems insurmountable. Sometimes it seems like it will never change. And sometimes we come to believe that this isn't just a storm. This is just my life. And it's always going to be this way. Sometimes that happens too. This is my life, it's a storm. This is just how it is. And we go on in our Christian life thinking that this is just how it's always going to be. And we're never going to get through this. As I prayed into this passage, I sensed the Lord was asking me a question. And, you know, sometimes when you're praying, um, you ask him questions. I don't know how many of you do that. I'm just curious. When you pray, you ask him questions, okay? And then just listen. And if you haven't learned to pray this way, I do want to encourage you to register. I don't know when you're going to do the Hearing God seminar again, but I know you do it, I think, regu- fairly regularly, right? Enroll in that and, and begin to learn a different kind of praying. So anyway, we ask God questions, but sometimes God wants to ask you a question in prayer. How many of you have had that happen? Mm-hmm. I just had that feeling he wanted to ask, he wanted to ask me a question. So I said, Lord, um, do you have a question for me about this passage? And he said to me, what is the purpose of a boat? And I said, well, you know, this isn't rocket science here. A boat gets you somewhere. It, it takes you somewhere you couldn't otherwise go to. Then he said, but what good is a boat without faith? See, for a lot of us, our focus is on the boat. Our focus is on what we perceive to be the thing that's going to get us through this storm. The thing that's going to solve the problem. The Sea of Galilee, you know, 2000 Fisherman Edition. This is a good boat. It's going to get me through. And it's like the Lord was saying, get your eyes off of that and onto your faith. Let me share with you from my journal as the Lord spoke to me about this passage. He said, faith needs to be awakened. A sleeping faith will not accomplish anything. There I was with them in the boat, and they knew well enough to take me along, yet my presence alone was not sufficient to get them through. Well, you know the Lord's speaking to you when he says things that you just would never think of on your own. Well, that got my attention. I I wrote down, wow, I think if I preached that, I would offend a lot of people. (laughs) He said, you will. (laughs) He said, but they'll see it. You see, having me in your life or in your boat is not enough. Yes, it's enough in the sense of your final salvation, but only because you applied your faith for salvation. He said, likewise... You must apply your faith in other situations, and yes, you must apply it in storms. You must especially apply it in storms. Let me read a little bit more to you. He said, people are in life or death situations and are facing desperate battles. Yet they have not awakened their faith. I'm not there physically for them to rely on. But I am there in my word, and I'm there by my spirit, and I expect them to rouse their sleeping faith and speak to their storms, Peace! Be still! Did you hear it? Jesus in the boat 
was not actually enough. And he even says to them, guys, what I just did, it's because I did it in faith. Where's yours? Ha, okay. Where is it? Is it asleep? So number one, we shift our face, our, our focus off of the boat and onto our faith. What's your boat? Here's how I think of your boat. Your boat is whatever you've been trying to get you through the situation that hasn't worked. If you're in a storm right now, whatever that storm is, and if you're in a storm, you know what it is. If you're in a storm right now, the boat is everything you've been trying that has not been able to change the situation. I believe Jesus would say to you, take your focus off the boat and put it onto me and onto releasing your faith into the situation. Point number two. So point number two then is realizing that having Jesus in the boat is not enough. Just having him there was not an automatic pass to the other side. Now he's not physically here, you know, in our congregation. If he, if we were to take that story into today and we were facing a storm and Jesus is right here asleep on the front seat because, you know, he's been teaching all day or whatever. We don't have him here to say, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? But what we do, what we can do is awaken our faith. Amen. Amen. Now, sometimes we don't want someone saying that to us, (laughs) but we need to hear it because you can get through this storm. I'm going to say that again. You, you sitting right here, you can get through this storm. Do you believe it? Yes. Yes. The other side is still there. You are not lost at sea. You're going to get through it. But we got to wake up our faith. We have to wake up our faith. Okay. Number three then. Third thing I want to pass your way. So we need to let our faith rise up and speak to the storm. This awakened faith, we need it to rise up and speak to the storm. Now, I know that sounds too easy. I know it. I know it. (laughs) Just You mean just peace be still? Well, it might not be those exact words, but we need to speak to the storms. We need to speak to the storms. I learned this lesson in my own life when... Uh, following a car accident, I was dealing with chronic pain in, in my neck and in my upper back. And uh, I'd been just driving three blocks. What was the mistake I made? Not putting on my seatbelt. <laughs> Bad idea. And as we're turning into this parking lot where we we're going to have a floor hockey tournament that day, uh, I, it was slippery and I just caught the edge of the sidewalk And there was a huge rut, probably that deep in front of the sidewalk, and my car hit it, and it threw me and my brother, actually, right into the windshield. And my head went right into the windshield, and it hurt. (laughs) Uh, Went on and played floor hockey that day, not a good idea. (laughs) Didn't go to the doctor, also not a good idea. But what did happen is I developed serious, severe pain in my neck, chronic pain in my neck and my upper back. And I remember saying to my parents on different times, I feel like an old man in a young man's body. Do you remember that? This is how I I just felt like I just had 
all this pain. I felt like an old man. And we were in church. We were going through a study. And I, I, I really don't even remember the details of the study. But I remember something happened. It was something that was said, obviously, where I just all of a sudden realized I don't have to live this way. Something clicked in me, and I just went, living with chronic pain for the rest of my life is not my destiny. I don't have to live this way. Now, unless you've had that moment of awakening yourself, it probably sounds crazy. But that's what happened. I was living alone um, at the time, and I, I was in my house, and so I began to pray, and I began to go after this. And when I mean go after it, I mean I went after this. I went after this like I am in a storm and I am fighting for my life. And I began to pray and and it got loud. (laughs) And I went after this thing that you don't control my life. And I am not living this way. And you might be thinking, how can you do that? The only way you could do that is when your faith wakes up. Right? It's when your faith, my faith woke up. And I began to go after this chronic pain and speak to it. And things I felt started to shift. And I got sort of near the end of where I felt like I was breaking through. And I had, you know, when you're dealing with chronic pain, you have painkillers. You have drugs, you know. And so whether it was Tylenol or Advil or whatever, I had that too. And I honestly, guys, I could not imagine living my life without painkillers. I just could not imagine it without going to the chiropractor and doing all this stuff to try and manage pain. And I had a small bottle of uh, Advil, and I felt like God was saying, dump it out. And I went and got the little travel bottle of Advil, standing over the toilet, (laughs) And, you know, you would think I was a drug addict. But that's the nature of mental strongholds, right? You'd think I was a drug addict pouring heroin in the toilet. Like, like it was so hard. But I, I just, because I couldn't imagine life without these drugs, without painkillers, just, just over-the-counter stuff. But I did, and I poured them into the toilet, and something in that moment shifted, and it was like I broke through whatever this was that was leaving me in chronic pain. And I got to tell you today, I don't live that way anymore. I don't live that way anymore. I don't live with constant pain and in, my, in my neck and in my back. Do I take the odd Tylenol? Well, sure, I'm human. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I don't live that way anymore. Hallelujah. So there are times where you just need to go after this and declare it. And don't assume that you can't just speak to the storm. Don't, don't fall prey to the lie that that's too easy. Now, number four. Recognize that an abundance of words does not necessarily equal an abundance of faith. Because here's what sometimes happens. I'll say that again. Recognize that an abundance of words, talking about prayer now, does not necessarily equal an abundance of faith. Okay? Jesus, he just said it. And what caused that shift to happen was not all the words he said, but was the release of faith. Your words, my words, they are meant to be faith vehicles. 
And the faith is what gives those words authority and power in in the spirit realm. It's the faith. But what can happen is we can put our faith in how many words? And I think this is probably what Jesus was talking about when he says about the the Pharisees. You know, they think they're going to be heard for the many words. You know, their faith is in all the talking. If I could just talk enough, you know, he's going to finally do something and he'll hear me. And what can happen is, you know, we take our faith from our, our wooden boat and we can start to try to pray all the right prayers and just get it just right and, you know, work it all together and we build word wood. <laughs> we gather all this word wood and we put together, it's not the Sea of Galilee 2000 edition, it's the Sea of Galilee Platinum edition. <laughs> and this is going to work. And then what happens, of course, is nothing changes. And, and then how do you feel? Then you're really discouraged. You're not just in a storm. Now you're just totally discouraged and disillusioned. So we recognize that an abundance of words does not necessarily equal an abundance of faith. And I'm not going to go here for the sake of time, but I think this is part of what Jesus is getting at in Mark 4 when he gives the parable of the farmer. And he says, he threw the seed out and he went to bed. (laughs) And it didn't matter whether it was night or day and he was waking or sleeping, something started to grow. Can I give you a quick example of this? I needed tires for my truck. We didn't have the money for tires, certainly not for what it costs to buy a brand new set of tires for a, a four a four by four. They're expensive. And I'm, I mean, I'm working my boat. <laughs> I am calling places. I'm calling places in the Transcona salvage yards trying to find a deal on tires. And I could not make anything happen. So I finally just said, okay, Lord, I'm leaving it to you. I trust you for tires. I need new tires. I'm leaving it to you. A period of time went by, I think a couple of months, and I had a dream. Guess what the dream was about? Tires. I woke up and I thought, okay, I'm going to call, and this is a particular place that I've bought the used auto part at before. I called them up. I said, looking for tires. Here's the size. Do you have anything? And uh, he says, you know, we actually have a truck out on the lot that they haven't even done anything to yet, and it's got this set of tires. It sounds like what you're looking for. Same truck, same size tire. They're not even off the truck yet. They're not even in the system. Are you interested? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Long story short, they were like brand new. 550 bucks. Yeah. Somebody has a truck. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just release that prayer of faith and then go to bed. And just go to bed. That's what, in fact, maybe that's what Jesus was doing in the, just having a sleep. I was going to sleep on it, Lord. Over to you. Woo. That's Mrs. Zilke's line. Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Jesus, catch. Woo. But you're, really, you're, you're doing it in faith. You're doing it in faith. And then just waiting, waiting on him. All right. Is it always that easy? Is it always just a, you know, declaration of faith, peace be still? Well, no. Sometimes, you know, you feel like, I'm going to take the hammer of faith and break through, and you don't break through. Sometimes maybe we don't need a hammer. Maybe you do need a toolbox. Prayer is a bit of a toolbox. Right? You learn as you walk with God, there's lots of kinds of prayer. 
And sometimes the prayer is speak to the mountain or speak to the storm. Sometimes the prayer is, Lord, I need wisdom. But he asks, he lets us do that. What does it say in James 1? Ask me for wisdom. Ask me for wisdom. You think of James 1. Don't go to James 1. I know what it says in James 1. You don't know my situation. Don't tell me to consider it pure joy. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you and I become mature and complete, not lacking anything. What's he doing? He's saying, classroom of life. Classroom of life. Not lacking anything. Lord, I know what I'm lacking. (laughs) I'm lacking a bucket because I'm in a storm and my boat's become a bathtub. Just give me a bucket and we'll be good. Please. No, you need wisdom. No, no, Lord. (laughs) I I need a bucket. Can't you see what's going on here? Just give me a bucket and we'll be good. No, ask me for wisdom. Lord, please. (laughs) Lord, just give me a bucket. I've been through this before. A bucket does work in this situation. If I could just scoop some of this water, I know it's going to get all, it's going to be better. And he said, no, 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 no. Ask me for wisdom. (sighs) Okay. All right. I'm going to ask you for wisdom. Because it says, if anyone asks him for wisdom, he'll give it without finding fault. So you're not look. he's not trying to find fault in you to keep you from giving you his wisdom. Okay, And I've got to believe that when I ask him, he's going to give it. Don't doubt or you're like a wave of the sea, just blown and tossed in the storm, blown and tossed by the wind. Hey, okay, Lord, I'm going to ask you. Can I have a bucket? See, we've got to make the switch. We've got to make the switch. Because some storms, point number five, of only six, some storms need a different kind of prayer. Some storms need us to come away, spend some time with the Lord, and say, Lord, I really need your wisdom. This is a complex situation with lots of working parts, but I believe you that you're going to get me through this, but I need you to speak into it. I'm asking you for wisdom. Then... You listen. You listen, you wait, write it down, and then follow through. Act on it. We were facing situations in, situation with my kid. I just didn't know what to do. And I spent time praying for my family. The Lord spoke wisdom for each member of my family. One of the pieces of wisdom regarding one of my sons, the Lord said, don't commit the sin of silence. I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. What's that? <laughs> you ever had that happen to you? He starts to speak, and it just raises all new questions. He said, don't commit the sin of silence. I said, what's the sin of silence? He said, being a, a father who is present but silent. And not just not spending time with your kids. Not talking with them. Dads, that's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word for moms, too. But don't commit the sin of silence. Your kids need time with you. They need to talk with you. They have questions for you. 
They just need to know you'll spend time with them and that they're loved. And I, so I, made, I followed through and I just started spending time with them. Do you know that brought a different level of peace into our home? Just doing that. What would happen if you took some time with the Lord about whatever storm you're facing and just said, Lord, can you speak your wisdom to me? Last point. Number six. This is the hard one. I think it's the hardest one. Accept the fact that trials are the classroom of life. (laughs) They are. They are. Accept the fact that trials are the classroom of life and have the courage to face them. That's what it's talking about in James 1 when it says we have to learn to consider it joy. That is not easy. Believe me, and we all know this, okay? I'm preaching to myself here too. But if we will meet the Lord in the trials, if we will meet the Lord in the storms, he will teach you things in the storm that you wouldn't learn anywhere else. He will teach you things in the trials. He will give you wisdom in the trials that you wouldn't learn anywhere else. And you will take that wisdom and you'll carry that wisdom across to the other side of the sea. You'll come out of the classroom of life and you'll meet a man on the other side of the sea and you'll have something to give them. Because they're waiting for us. They're waiting for us. They're waiting for us to show up. Make it through your storm. Show up in your wave-battered boat. (laughs) Wide-eyed from the storm. But you've come away with something. And they're not like the man with the legion of demons exactly. That nobody could bind in chains. But they're crying out. And we forget that. We forget there's a world around us that doesn't know Jesus. They don't know what it is to walk with God. They don't know what it is to have this thing called faith awakened to get you through the storms of life. But we do. And it's ours to carry to them. Don't you want to do that? I really do. I really do. And I am pushing myself. And my students know this because I share it with them. I am pushing myself to reach out to my friends who don't know the Lord. One of them I invited to the service. I don't think he made it with his family. But as I was preparing, I just thought, Lord, I'm going to invite him. Did I feel a little bit nervous? A little bit. We have a really good friendship. He's one of the dads from Levi's hockey team, my son's hockey team. And he didn't come. But you know what? That might have just planted a seed for whatever's next. I don't know. I don't know, but they're waiting for us. We've got to step out of our comfort zone. I'm going to ask one of my students to come and close with a poem, and it has to do with stepping out of this comfort zone because sometimes we actually need to choose the trials. We actually have been living not even in the boat. We're, we're still out on the shore watching Jesus teach, and we haven't even entered onto this adventure of faith. And we're studying... Where is Rena? Come on up, Rena. We're studying The Hobbit right now, and the story of The Hobbit, if you know it, is the story of Bilbo living comfortably in his hobbit hole and really not wanting to have any kind of adventure whatsoever, because 
Well, what happens when you leave your hobbit hole? Kind of like the same thing that happens when you set out on the sea. And she wrote this, not as an assignment, she just wrote it in response to what we were studying this week, and it seemed timely, and it seemed to relate well to what I'm talking about today. So, Raina, why don't you share your poem with us? So it's called The Hobbit Hole. Sometimes we just need to jump out of our nook, and sometimes we need to learn to be a tuck. It may seem unusual to others around, but their faith, courage, and dreams are one inch off the ground. I mean, I guess you can stay in there and hide, but there's way more precious treasures here, outside. Oh, what's that? You don't want to go? Oh, I know why you always shake your head no. It's because you're a baggins all inside, and you think, five minutes out there and I'll get skinned alive. You're right. You wouldn't last even a minute, even with high hopes and faith. Yeah, you couldn't. Right. Comfort and yourself. Come first. I'm sorry. I must be on my way. Don't worry. I'll come back another day. You say tea time. I think that'll work. Maybe I should also bring my fireworks. Oh, one last thing. Just give me your attention. It'll only take a second to tell you what I forgot to mention. The only reason why I came here in such a hurry and such a big haste because I saw something in you that you were throwing to waste. Wow. <clears throat> Thanks, Raina. The worship team's going to come, and we're going to sing that song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. It could just be as well be, This Is How I Get Through My Storm. Right? A very fitting song. And I want to remind you, you know, as we sing this, let let us sing this in a way that responds to this word. Sing this in a way that addresses, you address the storms in your life. Sing this in a way that says, this is how I'm going to fight this battle. And maybe even just wait on the Lord if you don't sing. Just wait on him if you're in a storm. Ask, Lord, speak to me. Lord, give me your wisdom for this. And in your private time at home, take time to be with him because heaven has solutions. Heaven has solutions.